The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. During class, this girl Stella would always turn around and say, do that thing you do with the tongue. And I always thought it was like, oh, the clowny face, you know, make a funny face. And so I'd stick the tongue out and the girls would make a sound like turkeys being let off to have their heads chopped off. You know, that sound. Yeah. Of course, I'd always get in trouble. And I'd say, yeah, but Stella told me to stick my tongue out. And I was like, oh, I'm sending you to the teacher's office. Did you stick your tongue out in school? Yeah, but I never knew. I never knew what they were thinking. <laughs> Gene Simmons is the most outrageous member of one of the most outrageous bands of all time. KISS. There's a lot more to KISS than shock. It's the number one gold record earning group ever at 30 when you include the four solo albums that band members released on the same day in 1978. 14 of those albums went platinum. This is a band that's known for its hits. I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. Seems like it's a phrase as old as rock itself. Uh, the band is also known just as much for its look. There's the black and white face paint the pyrotechnics, and a few details that are signature Gene Simmons. The blood-spitting, axe guitar, and of course the tongue so long it's practically a fifth band member. And guess what? Kiss is still touring. This is Fort Knox, Rich Ideas and Powerful People. I'm John Fort. I sat down with Gene Simmons at the Studio Hotel in New York City to talk business and marketing. Simmons is a guy who not only managed to launch an iconic brand in his early 20s, he and co-founder Paul Stanley remade that brand several times along the way with different band members, different looks, and a voracious appetite for merchandising. A disclaimer here, this episode has some explicit lyrics sprinkled in by Gene, not me, so maybe don't listen with the kids in the car. Up to you. Here's Gene Simmons. We have a band, and the band is called KISS. We are America's number one gold record winning champions of all time in all categories, which is really quite amazing. It 43 is. years on, and boy, do I look good. <laughs> you do, sir. 20, how many? 21? 40, 43 years. Oh, how many? How many golds? It's in the 20, you know, 23, depending on, how, depending on how you count them, it could be as many as 40. Ah. I, I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot. It's a lot. And... In May, on May 1st, we start the European tour in Moscow, May 1, for a month. And, but on the way here, I came into New York because our son Nick uh, was hosting a New Year's Eve event and stuff, which was a lot of fun. And Sophie, our daughter's got modeling and, wow. you know, Wilhelmina and all that stuff. Yeah. And also it was a chance to see my mother and on and on and on. But there's also business. We have a restaurant chain called Rock, Rock and, and Brews. Yes. Rock and Brews has grown to be a gargantua, which is a big word like gymnasium. <laughs> we have two at LAX, already the number one restaurant at LAX. Two at uh, Cabo in Mexico, yeah. Hawaii, 
Kansas City, Dallas, San Antonio. I mean, it's all over the place. And the Indian casinos as well. We have one at the 5,500-square-foot 5, casino, uh, San Manuel. The San Manuel Indians and we teamed up. Rock and Brews, 5,500 square feet, and people are just loving it. Now, on January the 11th, I'm going to St. Louis, and we're going to be opening our next Rock and Brews, January 11th. January 12th, I fly right outside of Oklahoma City to a place called Brayman, B-R-A-M-A-N, Oklahoma. And I'm proud to say we're going to be groundbreaking on the very first Rock and Brews Casino and Resort. Ah. Bigger than a restaurant. Yeah. The entire place is going to be a casino and resort. So we're very excited by it. And that's going to be our first one. But there are others lining up. We have 12 coming in Canada. So in the next year, there'll be 20 to 30 others. Now, and correct me if I'm company. wrong. Yep. Yeah. It's been almost 15 years since Kiss's farewell tour. Well, well, truthfully, every time you get off stage, you're saying, good night. Right. Didn't you say good night when you got off stage? Sure. But then when you hear people going like that, you come back. You've always, as a band, been about the fans directly. Right. Not about the critics. Well, look, critics uh, mean well, I'm sure, but, you know, living in your mother's basement doesn't qualify you to have an assessment about anything, especially if you've never done it. Uh, I, th I think sorely lacking from critics in general is journalistic ethic, mm. originally introduced by Joseph Pulitzer, who created the, you know, let's do something important, where the journalist is not the issue, it's the story, and what you feel about it is beside the point. Unless and if, of course, you're doing an op-ed piece, an editorial or an opinion piece, that's okay. But also, as a journalist, you still have to report on the facts. I'm Jerry Wombat Jr. I work for the Seattle Times. I just saw Kiss perform. Boy, did they suck. But it is worth noting that 15,000 people lost <laughs> their minds and stuff. So I must be a complete fucking moron because I'm the only one there who doesn't get it. That's fair. That's but, fair. Yes, invariably, and other big words like gymnasium, the opposite tends to be the case. Mm -hmm. People, you know, the pen is mightier than the sword, and Machiavelli was right to have power is to abuse it. Critics become delusional, and they actually think that they're important. Right. You really aren't. It doesn't mean you're not important, unimportant, but consider this. If there was never such a life form as critics, do you think it would affect life as we know it on planet Earth? No, I mean... Not in the least. Sure. You've always been about doing things. Doing. I, you know, I've, I've tried to just get a flavor of your story and uh, born in Israel, lived there for the first few years I know, of your life. I don't life. look like I'm from Sweden. <laughs> well, I mean, some people think you look like you're from space, right? Because of the creative ways that you and Paul and various other people who joined you along the way... Ten different members. To, to, ...to draw attention and get people to pay attention to what you were doing on stage. But, you know, was it a story about selling fruit that you had picked, selling fruit by the side of the road as a kid that first, you know, lit in your mind the idea, hey, I can go out there and work and bring some money home to my mom? That's exactly right. When yeah. I was... 
I was a little kid, and uh, up in the hills of Israel, we went, my friend Shlomo Solomon, and I, uh, he was a Moroccan Jew, and uh, he and I went up the hills of Mount Carmel. Yes, there is such a place, and that's where I'm from. <laughs> The biblical Mount Carmel, it really does exist. And yeah. we, not much of a mountain at all, really a hill. And it's completely covered by cactus when I was a kid. And I'm, I'm sure now it's got lush trees and apartments go for a million dollars and all that. Right. But back then, it was nothing. And people used to come home from work, and the very last stop on the bus stop was the beginning of Mount Carmel, the village. And I remember Shlomo and I went to the top of the hill and we picked cactus fruit and we put it into a metal vat somehow that we borrowed or stole or... I don't know how we got that. And the local grocer gave us some ice, so we put the ice in it. He was a nice Smart. guy. Yeah. So all of a sudden these cactus fruit were cold and, you know, stuff when people were tired. Of course, Shlomo and I had to take the pricks out of it, so we were covered by the sweat of thy brow, mm. the good book says. Yeah. By the way, my people wrote that book. It's called the Bible. Yeah. We also wrote the New Testament. And I remember when I first was sitting there with my friend Shlomo as the first bus rolled in, we didn't make a lot of noise because I must have been about six and Shlomo must have been seven or eight. I didn't say anything. I was waiting for them to come over because, you know, I've got cold cactus fruit. You'll like that. Right. Israelis call it sabre, which is what Israelis are called. Prickly on the outside, sweet on the inside. <laughs> and nobody came over. And then I went, hey, you know, cactus. And more people came over. And the bigger of a nuisance and the bigger of a spectacle I made of myself, the more we sold. That's mm -hmm. the first lesson of Mother Nature and in show business. When the mother bird brings back a juicy worm, who do you think is going to get the, the worm? The biggest bird, the healthiest bird, or the sickliest little putz that squeaks the loudest? And, yeah, and opens his mouth wide. Right? That's it. <laughs> the more, you have to grab life by the scruff of the neck and demand to pay you some attention. You will only get the respect you demand. Mm how you get treated as a guy, how women get treated as a, as a woman, how anybody gets treated. And that goes to politics, celebrities, religious figures, or regular people. You, you have to, you know, just puff out your check, uh, chest, and as Ali, I don't remember what the phrase was, but if you don't have it, fake it. <laughs> just puff out your chest and hear life, I'm here. Yeah. And it works. So you're a student of theology. You're also clearly a student of history and of culture. When, when I look at Kiss and the persona that you created, the armor, the makeup, the hair, looks Japanese, right? Um, one of my, probably my earliest memory of Kiss is in the early 80s, I was a little kid. 1880s? <laughs> I'm that old. Um, and you know, the, the rumor is going around, we're living in New York, the rumor is going around that it stands for Knights and Satan's Service. Yeah, I've right? heard that. And that's at the same time that people are saying Procter and Gamble is satanic because of some, some I mean, there's all sorts of rumors going around. Sure. Um, it's good marketing. But what was your 
intent behind the persona, the image, all of that? What well, were you trying to do with a, it? It was a, much simpler as life usually is. It was just about trying to get attention, really. And women understand this. There's a room full of, there's a nice dance or a club. There's a room full of girls and they all have their little skimpy black dresses. The smart girls are going to wear a red dress. <laughs> it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Everybody knows that. So all the bands and all the other, they look the same. I mean, if I'm going to go into country, I'm not going to wear a cowboy hat because everybody wears one. So I might decide to go a different path, never mind what it is you're doing. Presentation is also part of it. You know, food doesn't just, just have to taste good. Before you taste it, you're looking at it, and then it's got to smell good. In other words, you want a, the whole experience. But the astonishing thing about concerts and about life in general is people see it first. Mm -hmm. And especially when you go to a concert, you're actually bringing your eyes as well. Yeah, You're hearing with your eyes. And there are so many artists that have had number one singles and politicians who actually had important things to say and religions that were actually profoundly, you know, humane and all that stuff that never got traction is another big word because they didn't market themselves well. Here, I'm going to give you an example. Okay. Everything counts. Every piece of the puzzle counts. I've got a blind date for you. This chick, I'm assuming you're straight. Yeah. This chick, she's really got it. She's All got right. the right shape, hourglass figure. But it's a blind date, so you're telling me. But I'm telling you, you haven't seen her yet. Right, I haven't seen her. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Okay. Blind date, so she's got the good sense of humor, not looking for your cash money, she just wants to have a good time. Oh, great. What's her name? Henrietta. Murgatroyd, because <laughs> you, because you, the the imagery starts to bother you, ladies. My apology, not to all the Murgatroyds and Henriettas out there. I'm sure you're beautiful and all that stuff. It's just certain things resonate. Mm. If you're going to go to a strip club and you meet, you're about to meet somebody, and she says, "My name is Trixie." That's truth in advertising. You know exactly what you know. I don't know how we went <laughs> there, but... Hey, we can go there. It's CNBC, after all. And so the, the idea of the makeup and all that stuff really happened very linear. Mm. Dress British, think Yiddish. Get the attention. Who you are is beside the point. How did the characters behind the makeup develop? How did you decide they're, to they're be... There are more personas than characters. Okay. Characters are... It infers that anybody can put on the makeup and be that. But truthfully, if I put on the red lipstick and the star over my eye, I wouldn't be convincing because it's not part of my persona. My sense is during uh, a masquerade party in Halloween, if somebody gave you the keys to go into a costume place, you'd probably pick the thing that somehow connects with your personality, your persona. Right. Right? You know, the tutu. I always pick Spider-Man. Oh, not the tutu the... outfit. No, the... not right. the tutu. Okay. So no. you pick that thing that you feel connects to who you are. Yeah, that's me. Right. And that's what it's about. How'd you figure out which one was you? There was no figuring out. It was a very stream of consciousness. We 
went to Woolworths, which was then a you know kind of a Costco kind of a place, right. Walmart, and we bought mirrors. And I remember we went to a kind of a gag store. And you're like 19? I was 112 then. No, <laughs> we were, yeah, about 19, 20, 21. Yeah. And you could ply, buy those plastic ice cubes that had flies in them so that you put into people's drinks and fart pillows and all. That's what you bought. And we bought clown makeup, real white face and black stick and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And for no reason in the world, we just started painting our faces. And what happened that one time at 10 East 23rd Street in 1973, early 1973, are the same faces that are now on 5,000 licensed and merchandised products. Everything from kiss condoms to kiss caskets will get you coming and will get you going. <laughs> you never changed your persona. Uh, Paul messed around with a bandit for a while before... Yeah, yeah, just for a second. Just for a second. That sound is a special effect that only CNBC <laughs> sound effects wizards put on after we did. We See, couldn't I'm get there, yeah. Right around here, we should have some sirens. Listen. Named after the Greek mythological sirens that... When they sing, oh boy. Came, that all the sailors came there. Yeah. Yeah, you were, you were done for. Um, we couldn't get the soundproof room, but oh well. We're not going to, we won't record any music yeah, we don't today. Care. This is cool anyway. This is cool. Look at that background. Come on. Oh, it's beautiful. Matches the suit. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Um, so you never changed your persona. No. Paul Stanley had to change his for a short tour because the record company uh, head, a guy named Neil Bogart, was concerned about the eye and the red lips and all that stuff. Right. And uh, as often is the case, better to go back to what you believe in, otherwise you're just going through the motions. So that didn't last long, and we went back to who we are, basically our way or the highway. The two of you have been the constant presence in KISS throughout all the years. How come there's never a big falling out between the two of you? I mean, members come and go. There are yeah. issues with drugs and alcohol and disagreements and you know tragedies. We share a common... Uh, I mean, there is that common heritage thing. We're both Jews in that way, but it, it ain't about that. It's about strong family values, no drinking, no smoking, no getting high, a work ethic. And once you've got that covered, the rest is easy. I mean, you and I can argue about everything, and whether we're the same race or, or the same religion and stuff like that, that's not the point. The point is, you and I can be completely different and yet be on the same coin. Hmm. Two different sides of the same coin. As, and we can all go together forward, even if we disagree. As long as you share work ethic, responsibility, mutual self you know, mutual respect for the, look, I don't see it that way, but I respect your opinion. Hmm. And once you got that covered, you have most of it covered. The unfortunate thing is people draw lines in the sand and are inflexible. And I don't want to be the hundredth guy that tells you the story about the tree that's stand there rigid and when the storm comes it snaps in half and next to it is a tree that's half as thick, half as thick and just moves back and forth with the wind and survives. 
So tell me, because I've heard, as many have, the tales, more than 4,500 women who you have... I was afraid you were going to talk about the farm animals. We won't count the farm animals today. Uh, the ones that I grill. <laughs> right. What are, you talk, what are you talking more about? More than 4,500 of those you've eaten oh, as well. Oh, I'm 67. Right. I've, read, I've, <laughs> I've eaten my share of farm animals. More than 4,500 women that you've bedded. Yeah. Uh, where did the, the drugs and alcohol thing come from? Because when a lot of people think family values, they added a lot of different things, including maybe not bedding 4,500 women. But you've been specific on drugs and alcohol. Is it because of what you've seen it do to lives and careers? Well, look, anybody out there that thinks that drugs... Uh, booze and cigarettes have vitamins or they make your schmeckle bigger <laughs> or anything. You know, you're a fool. You just cannot win. You can't. When you're drunk or high, you're, you're going to throw up on your girlfriend's new shoes that she just bought. <laughs> uh, you're not going to say anything witty. And the next day when you wake up, if you drank enough, you're going to have a headache and even your schmeckle won't work. So I don't get it. I mean, I can almost understand, here, take this, it's going to make you twice as long and thick, and you're going to be a genius. Well, for heaven's sakes, give me some of that. No. In fact, on cigarettes, it's so bad. In Canada, they show you photos of what happens to your cancerous growth. They actually show you photos. Uh, and in America, they used to have death cigarettes. People bought them, bought them by the truckload. This stuff will kill you. Give me some of that. <laughs> so... So the, the appetite for, uh, for drugs and alcohol has taken down many. Some people I've, get... I've literally, I've literally never been higher drunk in my life except in a dentist chair. Right. Some people get taken down by the opposite sex, by women, by men. Uh, how have you managed to avoid that? Well, eventually I married my beloved, this... Well, talk about it in movies, and you always roll our eyes. Guys do. Oh, boy, that's so corny. But she is. She's an angel. She put up with my sorry ass for 29 years before I married her. She gave me two kids. Great. They're really spectacular human beings, better than I ever was. Nick and Sophie, 27 and 23. They're much smarter. Shannon, who was then Shannon Tweed, became Shannon Tweed Simmons. And I finally got married for the first time in my life when I was 62. How's it going? I just had my 10-year anniversary. What's so, his name? <laughs> her name's Gina. She's the love of my life. She's wonderful. How's it going? I mean, marriage is hard. It's not. It's not. It's easy? Yeah, it is for me because the stuff you disagree on doesn't matter. I mean, what are you going to argue? So what? Yeah. The... Uh, She's hot, she's six feet tall, she's blonde, and she actually thinks I'm okay looking. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Uh, she doesn't sweat the small stuff. I don't care if the curtains are gray or blue. I don't care. Uh, this idea of she lets me go and red, nobody lets anybody do anything. You're both mature adults. The folly of youth is that people in their 20s and I wrote about that in one of my books, Me Incorporated. Yeah. We are unprepared for matrimony. We're just not equipped for it, not at 20. You're just not mature enough. We have deep voices, we have hair on our chest. Girls, 
don't marry guys in their 20s. They look like they're 28, 20, whatever, but they're just 14-year-old horny boys who will mount, who, they will mount your mother when you're not looking. <laughs> don't, don't do that. It's like wine, I'm told, or even though I don't drink. Wait a long time before. Marry an old guy. Very Much cool. better. You'll have a better chance of him hanging around. Now, does it work the other way, too? Marry an older woman, or, or do women just no, get smarter it's, faster? No, it's not a fair thing. Uh, women have the urge, you know, the, the biological clock and so on. I talked about that. Women are born with all the eggs they will ever drop when they're born, usually two a month. And by the time they're in their middle years, they stop trapping. You know, dropping eggs, in other words, being able to procreate. We manufacture hundreds of millions of sperm every day. We don't take Thursdays off. And some of our sperm, believe it or not, is even good after we die. <laughs> well, tell no. me about longevity. Tell me about longevity in business. Because you've 67, and you can win the lottery. You can. You might even win the lottery twice. I would venture to wager you will never win it again. And we've been winning the lottery year after year, decade after decade. We were like that commercial that I used to see when I was a kid. Keeps on ticking, well, what is it, licking and ticking? Yeah, takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Takes a licking, see what I did? <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah. These yeah. are semantics, folks, but I'm not anti-semantic. <laughs> when did the tongue come into the show? I was... Uh, I must have been about 12 years old in, was I in fifth grade? Maybe fifth grade, and there was a girl in front of me, and I remember her name was Stella. I don't want to mention the last, last name because of legal. <laughs> right. uh, and she, and I was always in the back because I was the tallest guy. So is this New York now? You're New in York, right now. New York City. And uh, our son, by the way, happens to be six foot eight. Mm. So I know what it feels like, so I'm six two. But I was always in the back of the room. And during class, this girl, Stella, would always turn around and say, do that thing you do with the tongue. And I always thought it was like, oh, the clowny face. You know, make a f funny face. And so I'd stick the tongue out, and the girls would make a sound like turkeys being let off to have their heads chopped off. <laughs> you know, that sound. Yeah. Of course, I'd always get in trouble. And I'd say, yeah, but Stella told me to stick my tongue out. And I was like, oh, I'm sending you to the teacher's office. Did you stick your tongue out in school? Yeah, but I never knew. I never knew what they were thinking. <laughs> you know? And so, I finally found out why the girls get the lines on their noses. Did you ever wonder what that's about? Lines on their noses? No. Yeah, they go, what are you doing back there? Oh. That's where it comes from. It's a scientific fact. I see. So that was the enticement to get all you could. No, it's just time. when we uh, first started the band and I put on the makeup, it, you know, there, wa there wasn't a manager. There wasn't, a, it wasn't like Motown. There was a, and I know that label well. In fact, I used to go out and live with the uh, most popular lady. From Motown. That's right. But, but at any rate, the point, that's right, Diana Ross. But there was no uh, choreographer, there was no dresser, there was no nothing. It was just four idiots off the streets of New York 
who are just doing it by the seat of their leather pants. So tell me about that longevity, because you uh, not only went from Wicked Lester to Kiss yeah. with the here's, makeup. Look, folks, here's the thing. Every year there's going to be some fashion or some movement or something. Don't be a follower. Don't do it. But you took the makeup off. Yeah, because we wanted to. Not right. Make a rule, break it if you want. As, lo as long as you're breaking your own rule. <laughs> Don't respond to anybody or anything else. How did you decide to break the rule? When did you know we it was had, time? Well, during the uh, early 80s, we had members either, that were either fired or were asked to leave. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ace Frehley and Peter Chris, drugs and alcohol and so on. And we made changes. And with those, with new members coming in, we decided perhaps we should change the makeup. We tried to do that. And at the height of the largest show we ever played, which was in Rio, to right under 200,000 people with yeah. an opening band, that was it. Yeah. We decided, okay, there's nowhere else to go and stuff. Let's take the makeup off. Just like that. And so for 10 years, from 84 to about 94, we played sold-out arenas and stadiums around the world without makeup. And what did you learn from that? That it's much harder to be yourself. Without the makeup? Oh, yeah. Much more difficult. You're aware people are looking at you. They can see you clear. It's like these. See, I wear the shades day and night because, you see, the sun never sets on planet cool, <laughs> and that's where I live. I get to determine my rules for my life, and I get to determine when I wear these shades. I can go into a club at night, it can be pitch black, I'm wearing these shades because that's my decision. The rest of you guys can do it any way you want. And I think that's a good lesson in life in general. Be who, you know, to thine own self be true, the Greeks used to say. Just do whatever that, you know, life's over before you know it, and at the end, you can't go the I woulda, coulda, shoulda thing. I know what my gravestone's gonna say. It's gonna say thank you and good night. <laughs> when did the makeup come back on and why? 94 or so, MTV invited us to do Unplugged. Mm. So we did Unplugged, and we invited uh, Ace Fraley and Peter Chris, who had, we had heard, straightened out their lives with the drugs and the booze, and we invited them up for a few songs, because we had a, another lineup with Eric Singer and Bruce Kulik. Yeah. So all six of us are up there for three or four songs. And it was okay. And the, the promoters and the stuff were off the charts, we want to see that original lineup. We want to see that, you know. So we gave it a shot. And within a year, for the next two or three years, Kiss was the number one show on planet Earth, above U2 and the Stones and everybody else. Packed everywhere, everything. And it was good to be back with Ace and Peter until they started to go right back into the drugs and the alcohol and the stuff, and excuses, you know. The dog ate my homework, I'm a victim, everybody else's thing. No, it's not, bitch. You're doing it to yourself. What was the part of it that rankled you the most? Is it being late to practice? Is it, it affecting the music, missing being, notes? Well, being, what? Be all of it. You know, uh, 
drug addicts and alcoholics always have an excuse. It's never them. They never say, it's my fault. And they will always lie to you. Oh, I'm straight. Oh, I've been straight a million years. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to you. I'll show up on time. I promise I'll pull out. They are the scourge of mankind. Get rid of drug addicts and alcoholics. They're vampires. They will suck the life out of you. Get rid of them. You're too, you have important stuff to do. You, you want to leave a good carbon imprint on Earth. Have good kids, good family, work hard. Be what if they're too close to you? What if they're in your family and get rid how of do them. you help if them? If your dad's a sorry-ass drunk, get rid of him. I'm telling you, love shouldn't be for free. It should be earned. Huh. So you've started a number of other businesses. Oh, we uh, have. Uh, cool Springs Financial, I think, is one, right? Rock we, and Brews, you mentioned. I cashed uh, out of Cool Springs. That was a great learning experience. We had the former CEO of Transamerica uh-huh. for 16 years as one of our partners, former COO of Transamerica for another one. We had uh, NGTV, which was a one-of-a-kind very early on uh, venture. And I have Erebus Pictures, which is a joint venture with WWE. We make micro-budget, highbrow <laughs> horror movies, if nice. you will, that turn a profit. And that's really You still important. have the arena football team? We just cashed out because uh, LA Kiss football, because truthfully, I'm so blessed, and Rock and Brews, our restaurant chain, is exploding so fast that there just aren't enough hours in the daytime to be everywhere and do everything. I just can't do it as much as I'd love to. You know, it's like being full and walking into a restaurant and they put a table full of stuff. You're not gonna be able to eat it all. Looks great, but I can't do it? Yeah. So what's your level of involvement in these business ventures? How? All, all in. Yeah? Oh yeah, from the ground up. Uh, the looking sweat, feel, sweat the hiring. Well, you, you have to know your strengths and your weaknesses, your qualifications. So yeah. for instance, in our rock and brews uh, venture, which are restaurant chains across the world, really. Uh, last thing I would do is to fly to Hawaii and tell our partner there, look, see that guy over there? I want him to hire and be the, the chef or whatever. I don't know. All right, so you're, and, you're not you know, a chef. The, you see this, well, but also, you see this fork over here? Not as good as that fork. You can't micromanage because you're not qualified to do that. Okay. Got, what you want to do is maintain the credibility and the integrity and consistency. Again, all big words. And uh, the next point is repeat the above of the brand, what it means. Because if you recognize the bottom line, which is that people don't have to leave home to eat. Mm. You know, the old TV dinner thing. You used to be able to go to the freezer, take out food, watch TV. You don't have to fight traffic and everything. That tastes pretty good. And you can have exactly what you want and you don't have to flag down the waitress or anything like that. Rock and Brews makes you feel, I mean, you may not be a rock star, but it will make you feel like one. So it's some of our Rock and Brews. You can play volleyball outside. You can bring your kids to all of them. There's gluten-free pizzas and gluten-free beers. There are craft beers, as many as 100 of them, or as few as 60. Some of our Rock and Brews, you can sit at the table and actually pour right at the table. I mean, it's a fun place. You're surrounded by 
classic rock imagery, albums, music, and all that stuff. I go there all the time. So I guess you don't have to leave home to listen to Kiss either. So it's similar to the experience but, but that you again, give people at a concert. But, but it ain't the same. It's yeah. just not. That's why even watching movies, I watch movies at home. I much prefer going to a movie theater. You just, you don't have ringing phones and it's an experience. That's what it is. No and ambulances. Whether it's a restaurant, yeah, I mean, you can pray at home. Beeping garbage trucks, none of that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're a religious person, you can pray at home. You don't have to go to church. Come on talking to the religious people out there, isn't going to church a totally different experience? You're to get, we are tribal. We're social animals. We want to be around other people. Eating alone and having music kind of thing is, you know, you're having a good time. Having a hundred people in the room doing your stuff with the music, that's called a party. So is your strength, maybe some of your strengths, as a businessman, the brand, the image, the environment, is that what you focus on in these ventures? Well, you've got to do it all, and unfortunately. It's always much harder than you think it is. And strengths, it's a work in progress. Because you're not doing the food, right? You said you're not going to be hiring chefs or picking forks. Well, you don't forks. want to because I'm not qualified to do that. But I do know how to press the flesh and uh, fire up people such as yourselves and CNN and Fox and all the rest of them because uh, spreading the brand is very important. You've got to have uh, evangelistic zeal and go out there missionary-like. And I mean, the reason there are so few Jews in the world is about 17 million on the entire planet. Did you know that? And the reason there are so many uh, Christians and Muslims and so on is because you actually have missionaries. People go out there and knock on doors, hey, come to our religion. Jews won't do that. 17 million on the entire planet. There are more people more people in Guadalajara than there are Jews on planet Earth. Well, there's something to be said for the chosen few. I didn't say For that. having standards. I, I didn't say Some that. Some bands have only four people. I... <laughs> you heard it here on <laughs> Um But it's also worth noting, Israel is an astonishing country. This was invented there. Yes. And Israel is second only to America in the number of patents believe it or not. Amazing technologies come out of the Israeli military. The technological leader yeah. of The wireless technology, the security. Um, and it's 93% solar powered, private and more college graduates than any country on planet Earth per capita. It's astonishing. And there's 12 people in the whole country. <laughs> you said that uh, our President Trump is... President-elect. Yes, but he will. By the time this airs, he will most likely be president. president Trump. He's, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, the most natural politician. Oh yeah, you've ever seen. He, he gets to the root of what people feel. Except for Ronald Reagan. Okay, gets to the root of what people feel. Because both Reagan and Trump presidents, you have to respect the presidency. That's what I'm about. Uh, understood the nature of politics and the presidency. It's communication. And Reagan was the great communicator. And so perhaps being an actor in movies doesn't qualify you to be president. Perhaps that's a statement. <laughs> but also Barack Obama, Obama, who, by the way, I voted for, uh, was highly unqualified to be president. His resume was this thick. Never ran a company. Never created jobs. He was a you know a constitutional professor and knew about that stuff and had local government. Was never overseas. 
couldn't name you who the uh, prime minister of Liberia was, but became a president. So it's a, the, politics is a very strange idea. And a lot of it has to do with who you surround yourself with. So it's interesting about, uh, as a student of history, because I used to be a sixth grade teacher, among other things. Yes, I was mm -hmm. in Spanish Harlem. And President Reagan, who was an actor and then became governor in California and so on. And you know, we're say, people were saying he was highly unqualified to be president. And yet somehow the power of persuasion between he and Gorbachev, they actually made the Berlin Wall come down when nobody else was ever able to do that. Really astonishing. And President Trump uh, makes a lot of people very angry. He has no filter. I know the man reasonably well. He has no filter and could give a fuck what you think about him, which is a decidedly different political animal than anything we've had before because every politician is afraid of really saying things in public when you know damn well in private they curse and huff and puff just like you and I do. <laughs> Have you never said a bad word in your life? Have you ever said a racist word in your entire life? Don't fuck with me, I know the answer. This guy. So you're saying Joe Biden should run too? No, I don't think he should. <laughs> but he was caught on camera saying all yeah, kinds of things. That's what and, I'm saying. And He's, President Bush, he lets when he was in, he was more. caught. See that? Is that the Jew from the New York Times? And I know President Bush well enough. I don't think he meant that badly or anything. But people talk the way they talk. And then when you get into politics, they filter everything. And I'm not here to defend President Trump. He doesn't need anybody to defend him. But I will make this observation. Whatever your politics, I am aware, because my, one of my investment guys said, I've made a small fortune with the stock market. Fourteen records were broken even before he became president. Fourteen. We're approaching the Dow Jones Industrials at 20,000. I rang the bell at the New York Stock Exchange, Gene Simmons, 2008. The Dow was right under 8,000 then. We're approaching 20,000. He says he's going to lower business taxes, I'm simplifying it here, from 30 to 15%. There are going to be trillions of dollars that are sitting on the sidelines that are going to be coming into the economy. Translation, more jobs are going to be created. It, does he say stuff that pisses everybody off? Yup. So do I. <laughs> so speaking of... If you had been born in the U.S., though, with Ted Cruz running, it's questionable whether that's a necessary qualification anymore. Would you consider running for president? I would trade four years for one year if you made me the benevolent dictator. <laughs> trade four because, years for one yes, year. Yes, and you can fire me at any point. Okay. And my stance would be if you commit a crime with a gun, we shoot you on the spot and kill you. If I see you holding a gun, I will make sure the cops will kill you on the spot. If you run from the police in a traffic invest thing and you're running for them, you're in a guided missile. I'm going to take my police bazooka and shoot you off the road. Now, people are going to hate hearing this, but if I'm a mother with a child ahead of that runaway guy who's on crack or stole a car and there's a guided missile coming at me at 100 miles an hour, I'm hoping to God somebody takes him off the road. 
They're not, trying this in the Philippines pull, now. Not to pull him off the road to find out if his father molested him or if a dog ate his homework. Take him out. Drug dealers, if you deal drugs to my children and you're doing it to my child, I don't want to rehabilitate you. I want to send you to a gulag in, in the North Pole where you're not going to be a parasite on humanity. I, I can clean this place up. <laughs> they, they are trying this in I, the Philippines right now. It's very controversial. Well, Duarte, I think his name is yes, controversial. It is. Well, there's 5,000 less bad guys on the streets. In Germany, last year in Cologne, there was a story in the Wall Street Journal today that uh, last year there were 20 rapes and who knows how many other people on New Year's Eve. This year, zero. Cologne. Why? They did some very bad things. If people looked a certain way, they questioned them. It's politically not nice. There were zero events. The Swedes have been good this year, you see. <laughs> so tell me what happens with KISS 20, 30 years from now. Oh, I think we'll be long dead and long gone. But while we're here, we, we hope to make we hope to leave the place a little better than when we came into it, which is why we're involved in philanthropy and children's causes and pediatric aids. And Does the brand live Yo, sure. just as long as, as, as you guys do? Or have you thought about, you know? Mark Burnett and I already tried to launch Kiss the Next Generation, a TV series for the next worthy four young men who were willing to wear the crown yeah. and the platform heels. Sure, why shouldn't it continue? I mean, Disneyland continues even though Walt Disney isn't here. Absolutely. And continues to bring joy to millions of people. I'd like to think this is gonna be like that. Disney without the overhead. <laughs> you think it's possible to find anything, four more anything is band possible. Members? Is it going to happen, though? I mean, uh, we're working on it. Yeah, sure. I mean, same personas. Do you have to find people who can adapt those personas, or do you have to find different personas that fit? Those My people? first impression is the same personas, but can it be other personas? Anything's possible. Huh. Well, when are we gonna when are we gonna find out whether this happens or well, not? Well, right now I'm in the middle of a party, and it's like somebody walking up to me and says, "So, how long are you going to stay here?" Gee, I don't know. I'm having a great time. <laughs> Check back with me later. <laughs> no idea. We're going. We're going to Russia for the start of the European tour, and uh, there's so much going on. There's a Warner Brothers. I made a deal with Warner Brothers for a Kiss TV series, and there's a Kiss cartoon show coming, and we have the Kiss golf course in Las Vegas, and the Kiss limo service, and a partridge. I was Vegas. in a Kiss limo in Vegas. Yeah. That just reminds me of. That was amazing. I'm gonna have to find that picture because we didn't specifically ask for a kiss limo, but that's what we were like, whoa, yep. this is extra. Yeah. Okay, I've gotta go get ready because... Uh... Mr. Simmons, Gene Simmons, the one and only. It was Thanks a, for seeing It was a pleasure to talk to me. It was indeed. See what I did there? My thanks to Gene Simmons. I'm John Fort from CNBC, and this has been Fort Knox. 
rich ideas, and powerful people. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple's podcast app, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. I'd really appreciate you leaving a review if you enjoyed this. And check out Fort Knox Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Periscope, usually Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. I tackle the biggest business and economic issues of the week with a little help from my friends at CNBC and from you. Next week is President's Day in the United States, and there's a lot of talk these days about American manufacturing. Can manufacturing jobs really flourish in America today? Will robots take over? Well, I sat down with a guy who actually has some answers because he's doing it. Baird Winthrop is founder and CEO of American Giant, a quick-growing clothing brand that's made in America from American textiles. He's as bullish as ever on the American worker, and his politics, or lack thereof, just might surprise you. Meanwhile, share this, tell a friend, drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, or fortnox.com. That's F-O-R-T-T-K-N-O-X.com. And as always, thank you for lending an ear. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.